Father, we come in your presence now. We're grateful that you attend to us, God, that you love us so much, that you draw us into your presence to worship you. We can say now these days as we're filled with your spirit, we know the Lord. The eternal God from everlasting to everlasting who sent his son that we can come into his presence completely forgiven, standing in, robed in the righteousness of Christ to enjoy you and delight in you and live life to the full, to be fully human as we were made to walk with you. So God, we now come to your word which speaks of this opportunity and ask that you will draw us to yourself Father, speak to those who have not yet given their life to you, and I pray also for those of us that have walked with you for years, that God, you'll speak to us afresh of your love, your sacrifice, this new covenant in your blood, Lord Jesus, that we'll celebrate this morning. We're so grateful for your scriptures and that you have spoken to us, and so we give this time to you now in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Good morning, church. Good to see you this morning. Good to worship together. What a great thing. We look forward to Sundays to gather and sing and worship and hear from God's word and, and just walk in his ways. Uh, it is so good to be his people. And we've been studying Hebrews, which speaks that Jesus is better and he is greater than all the things the world can possibly offer. And if you've tried a lot of things in the world like me, you know that's true. When you come to Jesus, you go, finally, right? This is what my heart was, was made for. And so last week, Pastor Jared looked at, the, at Jesus as the better high priest, and today we're going to look at Jesus as the one who mediates a better covenant, and this new covenant in his blood, which we will celebrate here at the uh, close of this sermon. So in Hebrews chapter 8, if you want to turn there or, uh, in your Bible or on your phone, and uh, we'll look at chapter 8. We're marching our way through Hebrews and we see here that Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. So he begins by comparing the old covenant and the new covenant in verses 3 to 9. Look at verse 3. It says, For every high priest is appointed to offer sacrifices and gifts. Thus it is necessary for this priest, Jesus, also to have something to offer. And so the high priest... Uh, acts as an intermediary between God and man, and he's, he's reconciling man to himself by bringing sacrifices as a payment for sins to usher the people into the presence of God. This is where life is found, in his presence. And, and Jesus also will do this, but he will do it very differently. Verse 4, now if, we, if he were, Jesus were here on earth, he would not be a priest at all. Since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. So Jesus fulfills the law and he does it with his own self, his own shed blood. In fact, he wasn't even of the priestly tribe. He's not walking in the Old Testament law as it was given to in the Old Covenant. But he's coming now as a sacrifice for our sins out of the tribe of Judah. Which is a surprise. But the Old Covenant, it says, is just a shadow. Look at verse 15. It says, They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly things. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you 
on the mountain. And so Moses was to erect a, a tabernacle uh, that was to be a place of sacrifice to bring people to God and to meet with God and be in his presence. And the priests sacrificed animals uh, upon the altar uh, to pay for the sins of the people to bring them to God. This is the old covenant. But now it says, and here's the difference, but as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it is enacted on better promises. Jesus now will bring the people into his presence, into God's presence, and he'll do it by his own personal sacrifice, laying down his life. And he brings them in in a more intimate and more personal and more lasting and more certain way. The presence of God can be attained through Jesus, unlike the Old Testament covenant. It says in Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24, it says, For Christ has entered not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Jesus ushers us into the presence of God through his sacrifice for us. See, we were made for the presence of God. We were made to walk with him and to know him. In fact, this is the story of the Bible, is that Adam and Eve were made, and, and they dwelt in the presence of God. And they sinned, and they went their own way. And they were cast out of his presence. This was the, the tragedy of their sin and the tragedy of what sin does to people. It creates a separation between us and God. And the whole story of the Bible, the whole story of redemption, is that God is bringing people back to himself to dwell in his presence, ultimately and finally in heaven in a perfect world to live with him forever. This is the story of the Bible. This is what he's after today for us to draw us back to himself, to bring us back through the blood of Christ. See, we have been made for him. We've been made to enjoy him and to delight in him and to delight in his glory and his beauty. We have been made for beauty and made for glory to enjoy all the things that God has created and ultimately himself, right? We enjoy the beauty of these mountains, don't we, as we drive to our place of work and the plains of Nebraska, right? Oh, God help me. <laughs> and music, right? From classical orchestra to rock and roll, things that God has put into the hearts of people that we sing and enjoy, and athletes, and the amazing things they can do, and then us kind of participating in our own ways uh, in the mountains, and ultimately as creation people. Aren't people amazing? I mean, this is the pinnacle of God's creation. We get to enjoy each other. Now, we, we have our flaws and our sin that gets in the way and makes it less enjoyable at times. But, but when you can enjoy people, you are enjoying God's very best in fellowship and sweetness of living life together. But imagine, there is one God who made all this. All this that we enjoy, there is a creator, and when we get into his presence and see his beauty and his glory, it's infinite. This is where our hearts will feed and rest and find delight, and we are to experience this in his presence. This is what we were made for. And the old covenant failed 
to do this by comparison. Look at verse 7. It says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, or I distanced myself from them. See, the problem with the old covenant is the blessings of God were based on their performance and their keeping of the law. And they failed. And God gave them over to their consequences. And there was separation and distance. And the blessing that God intended was missed. And so the old covenant failed. But the new covenant, it says, is far better. And based on better promises, it says in verse 6. Because now we can come right into the presence of God, not based on our performance, not based on our good works, not based on our keeping the law, but based on Jesus and what he did for us. And his righteousness is imparted to us, and we come fully and completely into the presence of God based on what Jesus did. That's a better covenant in a much better way. And get this, Christians, now that we are in Jesus, we abide in his presence. We are in his presence right now. I've heard people sometimes say to worship leaders, thanks for ushering us into the presence of God. That's wrong. (laughs) They don't usher us into the presence of God. We're in the presence of God right now. I've heard pastors say, let's bring down the presence of God. You don't need to bring down the presence of God. He's here now. All right, I'm waiting. Like, come on now. Come on. (laughs) And this reality relies entirely on God and not on us. Based on better promises. You don't have to keep the Old Testament law to experience the blessing of his presence. Jesus lived that perfect life and imparts it to you. And now you can live in his presence based on what Christ has done. And it all is accessible by faith. See, a complete looking away from ourselves, a complete looking away from anything we do to something that God has done for us. That's why it's called faith. And we rest on what he has done and just considered a gift. That even when you believe, that is God putting faith inside of you. There's nothing of you that gets you into the presence of God. It's all Jesus. And what he has done and that gift of faith that God puts in our hearts. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. So that's the comparison of the old covenant and the new. Now let's look at how the new covenant is far better in some specific ways. And we see this in verses 10 through 12. And I'm going to invert the order a little bit. because I think there's sort of a logical progression in terms of how we should think about it. So I'm going to grab verse 12 first, because that's really the first step of coming into God's presence. Look at it. It says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So all the sacrifices of animals, and and you can picture, right, the, the, the people 
come into the temple and sacrificing their sacrificial lambs and the blood that is flowing uh, around the temple and, and out and away. And it would have just been a, a sight that was just would be stunning to us, I think, today. And yet all of those sacrifices of all those animals could not ultimately and sufficiently cover even one of our sins. It was just a picture of what is ahead, a shadow and a, and a pointer. And in the gospel, Christ's sacrifice satisfies once and for all all the sins of all humanity of those who would put their faith in him. Hebrews 10:12 says, Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for all sins. And so now there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8:1. And all our sins are forgiven. And God will never use any of those to condemn us or bring accusation against us. They were taken in the person of Jesus. And this is to give us this great sense of freedom and joy that we walk free and not condemned, that we are standing right before a God who is holy. We've been going through this whole process of selling a home, and one of the pieces is a home inspection. And, uh, you know, they, they, it's a frightening process, actually. They come in and check every little detail of this home you love, you know. And we know it's warts and the hidden things, you know, but they find them. So they check the sewer line and they check the radon and they check the roof and they make sure we haven't smoked meth in the last year and do that test. And so we don't do it much. So <laughs> that wasn't in the script. <laughs> But if it's not right, somebody pays for it, right? Somebody's got to pay. This is the idea to correct it and make it right. And I thought, what if they did a Kevin inspection, you know? Like, you ever thought about this? Where everything in your life that's hidden and covered and you're trying to keep away from others got inspected. You know what God would say to you as a believer? You're perfect. You're perfect. You pass based on the blood of Christ and what he's done and his righteousness has been given to you. We stand perfect before the Father. We pass the inspection. Yeah, check it out. No condemnation, right? So all that guilt that hangs over us as Satan tries to accuse us and point it out in our lives, saying we're guilty. We're not. That's a lie. Rebuke him. There's no burden. We have a clear conscience. We are free, and we should walk and relish that freedom and enjoy the life he's given us. Sins are all forgiven once and for all. But there's a second one, and it shows up in verse 10. Circle back there. For this is the covenant that I'll make with the house of Israel. After those days, declares the Lord, I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. The law is placed on our hearts. It's written on our hearts. See, under the old covenant, the, the Israelites, they, if you take time to read the Old Testament, I mean, it's just shocking. We've been doing this in our community group. It's just shocking. They, they keep sinning, and they, and they suffer the consequences, and, and the, the pain and the suffering that they bring upon themselves, but they don't learn. They keep doing it. And the consequences keep coming, and God's like going, like, repent and turn back to me. I'll welcome you. But somehow they're unable to do it because the law of God does not change our hearts. 
It can't. Rules don't make things better. Education doesn't change our hearts. Even the consequences don't really change our hearts. We know better, don't we? We know better, and yet we can't. We see the state of our world, and we don't know, like, why? why are we in all these wars? Don't we understand that this brings suffering? Yeah, we do, but we can't stop ourselves because we need a change of heart. And in fact, it says in Romans 7, 5, Pastor Jared talked about this last week, that actually the law aggravates our sin nature. It makes us want to disobey. We feel this inside of us, don't we? In fact, there's kind of some thrill that we feel in our hearts when we sin and get away with it and didn't get caught, don't we? I remember sneaking into drive-in theaters with my friends in high school and college, you know? We had one friend, his name was Tuna, and we called him Tuna. He played offensive line for Washington State. And when we got him snuck in for free, we were really happy. Like, that was an amazing accomplishment. But that's the sinful heart of us, right? We were thrilled almost with the capacity to sin and get away with it. But God gives us a new heart and a desire to obey. And then we're thrilled by our obedience. Are you, are you thrilled by your obedience? I mean, I actually, I sit down and I reflect on my day before in the morning. And I, I'm su- I surprise myself. Like, Kevin, you were actually pretty good there. That's a much better Kevin. Like, there's something going on in your heart that isn't you. You know? And it thrills us now. Your will be done on earth in my life as it is in in heaven. And it is such a gift that I am no longer held by desires that are destructive and control me. I am free to obey. And there, there is just a sweetness of having that capacity to walk obediently with Christ and the fellowship of that because of what he's done that brings joy to our, our path. So the law is written on our hearts. But thirdly, all believers will know the Lord. Look at this, verse 11. All believers will know the Lord. And they shall not teach each one to his neighbor and each one to his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest. We all long, I think, for a a close connection with people, to know a deep and rich friendship. And God invites us into a friendship with himself through this new covenant, through giving our lives to Christ. We are told that we are friends with God, John 15, 14. All of us long for this to be known and understood and accepted and celebrated by those that know us. We have this with God. Think about it. He knows us perfectly. When we've given our lives to Christ, we're his friend. He walks with us through all our life. And Ben, you can come on up. Have you ever, this is a, little secret hidden part of my heart but I've always kind of wanted to know a famous person you ever had this desire like wouldn't that be fun maybe someday one of you like right please come through for me (laughs) so I can say I knew you but I haven't God has not given this to me right and it's just a frustration probably won't find him in Nebraska either but but God the creator of the world is my friend I know the person that created everything. And I get to walk with him every day. Isn't that the greatest thing? And he loves me, and he accepts me, and you know what? He's proud of me. 
don't we long for those things? The creator of the world is proud of you and all that you are becoming in Christ. Celebrate that and walk in that. You know the Lord. Now Jesus gathered his friends in communion, Luke chapter 22. A beautiful chapter. And he's in this real intimate setting with his friends. And he says to them, I have earnestly longed to celebrate this Passover with you. I have earnestly longed to gather together and celebrate this new covenant in my blood. And he, and he gathers them and he shares these truths as uh, we've been looking at here this morning to celebrate them. And he shares food and drink and reminds them of these realities. And he holds up the cup and he says, this cup is poured out for you. The new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so this is what we're going to do this morning. We've enjoyed these truths. I hope you've, you're celebrating them in your heart as you hear them. But we're going we're gonna to gather now as a family and just partake of bread and a cup just to celebrate them and let them sink deeper into our hearts and who we are in him. And so when, he, when we come together around this communion table, it's a family event. And as we take it, we are saying, Jesus, I am yours. This is us and that. Your blood that was shed was shed for me. I'm drinking it. This is, this is me saying, Jesus, I am trusting in your blood. I am trusting in your broken body for me. And maybe you've never done this. I have had many over the years who on, Christ, on Communion Sunday take communion for the first time and go, Jesus, you're mine. I'm taking you as my own. This is a day to do that. If you've never done that, give your life to Christ and participate with us. But he also asks us to examine ourselves, to, to search, to make sure there's no sin between us and God or us and each other. And to take a moment to say, God, point out in me whatever might be there that I need to confess. And maybe there's somebody in this room this morning that you need to go, I'm sorry. And maybe you need to get up here in this little next little time and go over to them and say, please forgive me. We've had that happen in our services over the years. But this is an open table, we call an open table, for all those who follow Jesus, all those who are trusting him as their Savior, they're invited to come and partake with us and participate in this. But let's take a little time to get ready and prepare our hearts, to search our hearts in this way. Make sure we're Christ, giving our life to him, make sure we're right with him in our confessions. But also, if we have children next to you that you would like them to participate, uh, just checking in with them, making sure they want to follow Jesus before they participate with us two children are invited to take if they are followers of Christ. So let's just take a few moments now quietly before God to get ourselves ready for communion. <laughs>